This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 8, Episode 9. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. Today is Wednesday, March 29th, 2023, as of the recording of this episode, and I am your host, Riley Bowman. And I'm joined today by co-hosts and producer and company president and all the above, my awesome friends in the, in this wonderful endeavor now that we've been doing officially for a long time, <laughs> seven years plus now. Welcome, Jacob Paulson, Matthew Marister. Hello, hello. I'm here. You'd think after doing it for seven years, we'd uh, have the technology stuff figured out, uh, but it continues to uh, give us fits as we laughed through Jacob's struggles the last like 20 minutes so that he could actually join us for this episode. Super fun. Yeah, just yep. love that stuff. And we wanted him to be able to join us because uh, he, he is a special part of uh, what we're going to discuss here today. And we'll uh, mention what that is here in a little bit. Uh, we're going to be discussing Firearms and Freedoms, which actually is a title taken from a docu-series that Jacob is featured in. Uh, we're going to discuss that and uh, a bunch of other things. But first, today's episode is sponsored and brought to you by CCW Safe, which is our choice for self-defense coverage, defensive coverage. By that meaning, if you're involved in a critical incident, CCW Safe is who you want to have backing you up, and they will help provide legal representation for you to guide you through that process. Even if it's as simple as, you know, you, you had to draw your gun and it was completely justified, and you're going to end up walking away and going home that, and to sleep in your bed that night, great. You still want to place a call and get them involved right away, and they will help you through and navigate that process. Uh, even if it's something that you get involved in and you end up getting cuffs placed on your wrists and you end up in a trial down the road. Of course you'd want to have CCW safe involved. Uh, they are the guys that back me up, that back Jacob up, that back up our team. And we're honored to be partnered with them. And we appreciate their sponsorship of the podcast. Please take advantage of our, uh, Discount code available to podcast members. CC pod. Is it still CC podcast? Yeah. Jacob? Yeah. Hasn't yeah. Changed. I know we had a little bit of there, in, in, folks. If you tried it a, a week or three or four ago and it didn't work, we got that sorted out. So CC podcast save you ten percent off of, off of a CCW safe membership. So please consider joining today. And then coincidentally, they happen to be our our presenting sponsor of the twenty twenty three Guardian Conference in Oklahoma City in September of this year, September fifteenth to the seventeenth. Uh, we'll be doing our third annual Guardian Conference, which we're thrilled about. And it's going to be a great time. Great list of instructors. Still finalizing a couple things, but for the most part, if you go to the website, you'll see about 85% of the lineup on the website right now. GuardianConference.com. CCW Safe is the presenting sponsor. But guys, uh, you want to get signed up. Okay, get signed up right away. We still have early bird pricing in effect. For Guardian Nation members, we still have super early bird pricing in effect. But that is going away very, very soon. Very soon like within days. So please, if you're on the fence about signing up and, and 
what both for Guardian Nation or just for the conference, do that now. Uh, you can go to guardianconference.com and get signed up today. Three days of rubbing shoulders with awesome people, learning from some of the world's best instructors. We don't bring them unless they meet our high standard of, of quality of care and instruction. Uh, these, these are some of the best people out there you'll find that you can train with. Uh, and if you read any of our reviews from people that have attended in the past, you'd see that that they would agree. So, guardianconference.com, please get signed up today. Hope to see you there. Looking forward to it. So, that's our sponsors of today's episode. Uh, we will mention another link that you'll want to check out that's related to uh, this docu-series that we're going to discuss. Jacob, I'm going to throw it to you. Dude, you're, you're the guy that, for whatever reason... Uh, I think it's because you know you, you just you have a face made for for the video camera. Uh, no, but uh, well, we were at the USCCA Expo last fall. Uh, you were invited to sit down for an interview with this company that was putting together this docu series, a nine part, nine episode documentary on firearms, the Second Amendment, and our freedoms. And uh, it is being released shortly. So uh, anyway, tossing it to you, where do you want to go? And what do you want to tell us about all of this? Yeah, let's just get the formal stuff out of the way real quick. So the docuseries that, you know, may at some level play as the core of our kind of conversation today is called Firearms of Freedom. It will start airing. Episode one will go live on April 11th. So you have a couple of weeks, but the, the reason we're talking about it now is because you need to understand that if you if you opt in before the first episode goes live, you'll two things will happen. One, you'll get notified every time each episode goes live, and two, you will be able to watch each episode for free. So the way this company does is they kind of you know if if you're following along, you get free access for until kind of all of them have been released, and then there might be a, like I think they do like a weekend long like replay where everybody can watch it for a weekend and then they start charging money to watch it. So if you're not already signed in or opted in, whatever the word is, do that right away. It doesn't, so, so this is the free time is the point. Like if you're listening to this and it's not yet April 11th or 12th ish, you, you should go take action. And the short link we've set up for you guys, concealedcarry.com forward slash FF for firearms and freedoms, right? So just FF. So, so go get opted in so that you can get notified when each episode goes live one episode each day for nine days. That way you can watch it for free. We're just trying to you know, give it as many people the, the possibility of watching this without paying for it as we can. And, and it's worth noting that also planning this out and thinking, who else do I want to have watch this with me? We tend to live in an echo chamber uh, in all of the arenas and communities that we're part of. The firearm industry is no different. So, you know, do you have family members? Do you have children? Do you have neighbors? Like, hey, let's watch this thing together. Um, if you love freedom, then like we should we should watch this because it's going to discuss the role that firearms play in that. So anyway, that's the formal thing to kind of get that out of the way. It's an interesting operation because, uh, and we might talk more about some of the specifics in the docuseries, though none of the three of us have seen it all the way through. We've seen a lot of uh, you know, teasers and clips. Um, I've seen the first episode. And uh, you know, at this point, I've, I've seen most, I, I remember what I said when I was interviewed for it. So um, there you go. There's the, there's the formal stuff kind of out of the way. But I think it's an important thing because there's no doubt that right now in America, the, the narrative is controlled. <laughs> it's controlled by two things. One is the media, 
and the media is by and large not pro-gun. At uh, very least, what we can say is that the national level media, regardless if it's pro-gun or not, is biased and and insane, like just completely ridiculous. Like whichever side it's on, it's so horribly biased and 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 bad that you can't trust it. Uh, but the majority of that media is anti-gun, and so the narrative that's controlled there is very very bad, very poor. Um, but what's worse is that it becomes a the, the talking points that 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 drives and it creates in the in the vernacular of Americans is so horrible. Like I just I get I get so disgusted when I'm online, and this last week has been particularly hard because of the Nashville school incident. And the assumption is, if you like guns, then you hate kids. Uh, you hate kids. You hate, you know, life. You hate schools. You hate what, like, whatever it is. You just hate it because you can't. You know, it's inconceivable that you could like both. It just becomes so polarizing, so uh, horribly bad that way that I just, I don't know what to do about it anymore. And so I think that this, this uh, program, this, you know firearms and freedoms, I think this docuseries hopes to explain uh, our community a little bit, like give us a chance to have a little voice and say, hey, um, just because I like my guns does not mean I hate children and want them to die. I don't choose guns over children. I am a parent. I'm not insane. Um, so anyway, I, I think it's it's well-timed and it's important. Well, the timing is coincidental. Uh, oh, purely. As far yeah. as you know, tying within this uh with this Nashville incident and all that. Uh, but yeah, uh, these are clearly at the forefront of our thoughts and minds. Uh, before, I mean, really, I mean, even if, for the last couple of months, there's been a lot of talk in Colorado here where Jacob and I live about uh, legislative bills that uh, were proposed and are proposed and are going through committees and are going forward and looking like, there's a high probability that several of them are going to get passed for increased gun gun rights restrictions here in the state of Colorado. Um, so it's uh, you know this is this is the world we're in. We've you know in the last year we've had some very favorable rulings from the Supreme Court of the United States uh, as far as upholding the Second Amendment and our freedoms with respect to guns. Um, but yet, uh, this is where we find ourselves is in this great debate and in a world where even with those, you know, like the Bruin decision, for instance, uh, which calls into question all kinds of things potentially um, from a gun rights perspective or gun, re gun rights restriction perspective, but yet you've got lawmakers willing to to roll the dice and see, hey, what can we get through? What can we get by? Uh, we're going to try to, you know, take everything that we can. So uh, I, I, I feel your, your, I echo your sentiment, Jacob, as far as it's, uh, you know, and in, in light with yet another shooting. Um, you know, we, nobody likes seeing those things happen or occur. Uh, we don't like it. What do you do about it? Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's where the rubber hits meets the road, right? And uh, in fact, I was a little bit terrified because 
if you go to that link we mentioned, the consultcarry.com forward slash FF, there's kind of this like trailer for the docuseries. And, you know, my interview with those guys lasted, I don't know, 45 minutes or something, <laughs> quite a bit. And the, the the clip that they got of me for the trailer is is like some semi out of context, but it says something about how we need to be proposing legislation that can end the violence. And I I think that the the biggest answer I have, and I talk to my kids about this all the time, is that we we have to be willing to have conversations. We have to be willing to have respectful discourse, and part of that means being willing to drop all extreme sentiments and realize that the answer is probably in the middle because most of the humans are in the middle. Unfortunately, the, the, the conversations tend to be dominated by people who are on the extreme end of any given topic. And most of us are not on the extreme end of any given talk, topic. We're in the middle. And so I, I think that in, when it comes to the gun control debate, it's like, well, if you like guns, then you have to hate children. Right. Like that's that's one of those kind of extremist things. And we've got to be willing to drift back to the middle and be like, OK, let's let's have a conversation. And this is the problem, because two things that I believe that are not popular in our community, like things that people listening to this may not like me for. But these are two things I, I truly believe. The first one is I truly believe that the majority of the anti-gun politicians, as we label them, um, aren't really committed, dedicated, or interested in abolishing the Second Amendment and taking away all our guns. I just don't think they are. I think the majority of the anti-gun politicians actually think that the proposals that they're proposing and voting for will help end violence. They're just wrong. I mean, they're completely wrong. But they, I think that they're well-intentioned. And, and by well-intentioned, I mean that they want to reduce violence. They want to... Um, you know, save lives and that they believe that these proposals will achieve that without jeopardizing the rights of gun owners like us. I truly think that's true. Now, there's, there's extremist politicians that are absolutely ridiculous as well uh, that legitimately do want to take away our guns, abolish the second, like they exist, but they're a minority in my opinion. So that's, that's the first like important thing. Um, I, I, and I think that believing that, whether I'm right or not, believing it, does give me some hope because it means that I can have conversations with those people because we can meet on some middle ground. The second thing I believe to be true that I don't think is terribly popular in the gun rights community is I believe that if there was a proposal that legitimately had the potential to greatly reduce death by gun without completely like infringing on, on the entire second amendment, I'd be open to it. Like, I, like there's, I believe in balance. Like if there was a legitimate way to, to curb the gun violence that, that even you know created some inconvenience for me as a gun owner and, and limited my rights to some degree, I'd be open to it. I'm not saying I vote for it. I'd say that like, I'd like to learn more, right? Like I'd like to explore that. I just, I just don't see any of those. Like the, 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 Legislation that's being proposed is so horrible. It's so ridiculous. It 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 doesn't actually. Um, it's not going to curb the violence at all, right? Well, the proposals we see only limit rights. They won't reduce the violence or the deaths, and that's the big problem. And and I know I've been talking for a while, and I'm rambling. I'm a little bit up on a soapbox here, 
But I think that the third thing, and, and I'll release you guys to, to talk about my one, two, and three here, but the third thing that we have to realize as a community is that we're always on the defensive. Uh, we're always saying why the proposals that the other side is putting out there are no good and why they won't work. And, and we should do that. Like I'm not saying, let's well, stop doing that. But I don't see enough proactive. I don't see enough of us out there saying, well, well, what would work? Like, what what would we suggest then? Like, what are things that we could recommend and get passed or vote for that we think actually would lower the violence, right? That wouldn't limit our rights. So I think those are the three things that we got to realize that, one, I don't think the majority of the anti-gun politicians are trying to abolish our Second Amendment. I think that they're well-intentioned. They're just misinformed. Uh, second, that... Ultimately, we have to be open to the conversation of what what will reduce you know violence and death. And if 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 that might mean I have to sacrifice a little bit of my rights, actually in order to end the violence, I'd be willing. I just don't I just don't see any proposals like that. Everything I see is ridiculous. And third, that then then what would we propose? Like what you know how what should we be out there proactively doing to stop the death, the violence? Yeah, I, I I I hear where you're coming from, and and I think that part of the problem is, from my perspective, is that you mentioned kind of started off with the 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 media um, is you know they're uneducated, they're ignorant of firearms, they're ignorant of the law, they're they do shoddy reporting, and they are biased, and I think they're they're driving the narrative in like, so, you know, the, the conflation of terms like gun violence and things like that, where they, they propose a legislation that would do nothing to, to actually stop so-called gun violence, whatever that might, that term might mean, because to me, you know, uh, um, I think everybody would hear that word and think something differently. Somebody might think, oh, that's, that's school shooters. Somebody who had a, somebody die of suicide might think gun violence includes suicides. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's one or the, like, uh, maybe someone who lives in a crime ridden area is gun violence and people are shooting all the time, gang activity. They're thinking that's gun violence. And so I think the problem is, is they're, tr we're trying to, come up with legislation that solves gun violence, this generic term that doesn't, it has so many different meanings. And, you know, so I think my solution or, or, or somebody would say, well, what do you propose if you're shooting down all these legislative ideas? And it's like, well, it doesn't have anything really to do in my mind with legislating guns. It has to do with changing the way, you know, w what we're doing, we're trying to educate people um, instead of shutting down posts on YouTube and Facebook and all these things for uh, the ability to educate people on safe gun handling, legal uh, aspects of gun ownership and self-defense, they get, you know, throttled or shut down or um, just, you know, I, I know you guys, I have students that have come through and said, I'd rather not share the fact that like I'm taking a class with my employer because it's not looked upon as, you know, uh, they're not very gun friendly. It's like, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're being responsible. We're teaching you how to store guns so your kids don't get access to it. This is all ways that you stop gun violence. Plus, like we stop 
you know, we, we talk about mental health, even separated from guns, you know, it, it's, it's, and so like, I, my solution is like, let's look at the car, core problems of why people are doing evil things with guns rather than how can we ban this gun or this trigger or that bump stock or whatever modification. Like, and I think that's where we come to an impasse. Like we just don't see the, the root problem. They see the root problem as the gun and the people that own guns. And we see the problem as it's not the gun, it's society, it's, it's depression, it's evil, it's anger, it's, you know, all these other things. So I don't know. That's just my perspective. So, to address some of you guys' comments and especially Jacob's, um, you know, since he brought up uh, three kind of main points, uh, I think there's a couple of problems here. Number one is that you, like you talked about the, the middle of the country, Jacob, uh, part of, one of the problems is, is, is what the middle represents has, has changed uh, and has been pushed uh, per, in, a, in a big way by certain agendas uh, and to where th- what should be the middle, which in my opinion is a populace that appreciates the Second Amendment, that really should be the middle. And it's being pushed more and more to where it's more of the, the it's getting further and further to the right. Um, and and further away from being that that's what and the statistics show that you know as far as in terms of you know just the percentage of people that own guns or carry guns or hunt or whatever okay although in recent years there's been some trends you know we we know that in 2020 we had a huge influx of new gun owners I uh, don't know how much that moved the the bar the needle uh, in terms of percentages but <clears throat> but it was significant. The other challenge is that uh, when we talk about solutions, well, there's there's two there's two problems here. Okay, so because you're like, well, hey, we we should be more proactive as a two A community to propose solutions. Uh, the The challenge there is, and why we're constantly on the defensive, is that for most of us, uh, we want to just maintain like. The, the second amendment like there is no change required right the second amendment's the second amendment like i just want to have my second amendment like why would i you know <clears throat> so f- from our side of you know of things i mean granted there there are still restrictions that exist that restrict the second amendment that i'd love to see removed and i'd love to pr- propose things and i've certainly supported things you know such as removing the nfa and even in the GCA and, or at least certain parts of those at the very least SBRs suppressors, all of that, like that stuff's just dumb and outdated and should just go away. Right. But that's a non-starter. Like we could propose that. And number one, it doesn't probably do anything in terms of like, we, we there's not a lot that we can stand on there and say, well, these are going to solve the gun violence issues. Um, that's more of a just a pure like, hey, we're trying to get the Second Amendment back to where it should be in our viewpoint. The other challenge here is that things that might actually have a chance at working in 
certainly minimizing the damage from acts of violence committed in places like schools are non-starters by that. I mean, I was just having this conversation with some folks I know uh, that, that are part of a, a chat group, and several of them are over in Utah. And they brought up the fact that, hey, when's the last time we had a, a mass shooting in a school in Utah? Can't come up with one. What's unique about Utah? Well, anybody that has a permit can carry on a public school campus, K through 12, university, doesn't matter. If it's a public campus and you have a permit, be, be our guest. Carry your gun on our, on our campus. That's remarkable. That is extreme compared to where most of the people involved in the debate, especially on the left, um, that is an extreme proposition. It's a non-starter. But it's probably a solution, or at least part of a solution, that actually has a chance of making a difference in school shootings. And I don't know how to overcome that because it's like, hey, here's a solution, but it's like that that's going nowhere. So what do we do about that, right? Um, but here's what I can say about proposed solutions, and this is the problem with most of the solutions that are proposed by the anti-gunners, is that they propose blanket solutions for problems that require targeted solutions. Because it's like, well, we had another school shooting. Well, we got to renew our call for an assault weapons ban. Even, for instances, when assault weapons weren't even part of the equation. Um, or, well, we got to have a mandatory wait period on gun purchases. We shouldn't make it so easy for people just to walk in today and buy a gun and walk out with it this afternoon. Um, what's that going to do? Because when those things have been tried in the past, it didn't have any correlation to a reduction in violence. Certainly in the case, like in most of our mass shooters, amass their equipment, their guns, their ammo over a period of weeks and months and sometimes years. So they're trying to propose blanket solutions that don't solve anything and to, to really make an impact on violence that's committed with guns, especially in the case of like mass shootings, these require very nuanced and targeted solutions, but not very little of that stuff gets talked about. Yeah, I think all that's fair. Uh, I mean, we, it's, it's, it's hard, right? Cause we're all sympathetic to the, to the problem. We just don't agree on the solution. And I think that the disagreement, in my opinion, comes down to education, that we got a bunch of people out there making decisions who don't know anything about what they're, they're legislating. That's hard when you are someone in the industry whose job it is to know these things, right? It's hard for people in the firearm industry who we, we work in this business, right? And this is, this, is our, this is our whole world. This is our job. And those of you who are listening to me right now, you are, are of the higher educated group of consultant care. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably the top five most you know educated gun owners about firearms and self-defense. Like I mean that very sincerely. 
So for us, it's hard because we have a high degree of competence and understanding of issues, right? We see statements like I saw yesterday, you know, that the, a bullet from an AR-15 will rip people's body parts apart. You know, just one is enough to tear holes in you. And, and we're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like this is this is not even this is not even close to true. Like where where do they come up with this stuff, right? And so it's hard for us because we see people who know nothing about it trying to do something about it, and and that's a problem. So certainly education is a huge issue. Trying to figure out how to get these people to understand what's going on. the The other challenge I think is that. <sighs> We are in a world where we've lost all confidence in research and statistics as a society. Anyone who has any education has come to believe you can't trust it. I mean, you can only trust it if it fortifies your existing personal held belief. But if it doesn't uh, fortify your existing personally held belief, then it's probably just you know bad research. Uh, I saw one the other day that talked about how violent crime or no mass shootings specifically mass shootings dropped X bazillion percent. Um, you know, during the 1994 assault weapon ban, or no, I think what they said was that they went up X percent after the expiration of the 1994 to 2004 assault weapon ban uh, signed in by the Clinton administration. If that's true, that doesn't mean that it's causation. Um, in fact, it, it's quite clearly not causation when you control for variables like the things that that law actually did in terms of the guns that restricted or the magazines that restricted, clearly it's not causation. It's at best correlation if the numbers are even true. So we've, we've lost all confidence in the research or statistics, which makes the conversation pretty difficult. It means that we have to go to a pretty deep level in order to help people understand something because clearly the surface level logic won't solve the problem because the surface level logic is against us. I mean that quite literally. Like the, it is in, it is intuitive to assume that more background checks would keep guns out of the hands of criminals. It's just not true, but it sounds true. It sounds logical. It sounds common sense. It sounds intuitive. It's just super duper like irrelevant. It has no impact on it at all, right? It sounds like if people have less ammo in the magazine, if they can only have ten rounds instead of thirty that they can't kill as many people. That sounds logical. It sounds common sense. It sounds intuitive. It just happens to be super duper not true or relevant. So that's that's my point is like we have to go to a deeper level to help people understand why these things that sound logical and common sense to the point that you know they're willing to call you bad names over it aren't true. And we can't trust the research because they don't trust ours either. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. And and the statistics, and I'll say this on both sides, uh, you know, monkey with the statistics or or shade the statistics or present it in a certain way favorable for the position. That's how it's always been. Um, I don't think this is any different than any other position or political, you know, uh, you know, inflection point or whatever. But um, I think that what we're what we're up against is. The, I, I don't think our industry does a good messaging job. I mean, look, the, the NRA is not a great spokesman for. I mean, it, legislatively, they do some some good things. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, destroy the entire 
organization. But um, when you compare it to the emotional, um, you know, speeches and marches and all this stuff that in, in, in the inundation of like athletes and in Hollywood, like they do a much better job of emotionally grabbing somebody and leading them down a path that that makes it easy to reject statistics or reject people that present it. And, and, and frankly, they've done a great job of making the gun owner this ignorant hillbilly or an angry person who just wants to shoot up, you know, shoot everybody or they're, they're, I mean, they, they've done this, this idea of like, uh, or, or we don't do a good job of disproving those things or presenting a reasonable counter to those things. It's, it's a lot of times it resorts to like from my cold dead hands or second amendment is my permit. And it's like, I get it. Like, but we're not, we need to do better in, in, in explaining these things. And certain people aren't going to, you know, you could, you could explain it to them greatly and they'll reject it. But we certainly don't change minds when, you know, we, we don't have a good argument or logical argument. We, you know, um, it's just, it's, it's very difficult because we're presenting facts and somebody has feelings and feelings we know in society is all that matters. Now it's uh, whatever you feel, that's all that matters. It, reality is, is not important. So it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough, uh, win. Well, you know, and there's some great comments coming in here from uh, CloverTac on YouTube. Um, in fact, I'll throw these up there, up here. If we want to play on the field of emotion, like say mom's demand, I think that is fine, but we got to use the organizations we have that can do that. Like the women of DC project, promote them, which is a great, great suggestion. Of course, I, I absolutely value and appreciate the work that DC project does. Um, but I, uh, before CloverTac even typed that in, I was, you know, listening to you guys and your thoughts and thinking about, you know, that the, here's another challenge, right? Is that a lot of the argumentation on the other side of this issue is that of an emotional argument and emotions are powerful and stories are powerful. And like that tends to connect with more people. And that's the stuff that, your less educated people on the issues are that, like, that's more, more likely to connect with them is the emotional side of the argument and the stories that are told. Right. And so on our side, a lot of times we're like, well, look, here's the statistics and, or here's where the, your statistics are wrong, or here's where your argument is like, we're trying to take this logical fact-based approach, which personally I think is the right approach. Like that's the, that's the superior method is to what does the data show? And then how do we interpret that data? And then what do we get out of that? And, and, and there, that, that informs our actions or our, our, our decisions moving forward. Cause I think the best decisions, especially for a community, for a nation are ones that are going to be non-emotionally based, right. That are more fact-based, but that's the problem is that, we're going up against very powerful organizations that are very good at appealing to the emotions, the, the emotional side of people. So how do we, I mean, a couple of options here. 
do we get involved in the emotional argument as well? Or how do we, how do we reach those that are on the emotional side of the issue and bring it back around to more of a logical or fact-based one? How do we have those actual discussions about what reality is and what do we do about the problems that we are, that we are faced with? Yeah, I I guess I have a, a couple of thoughts along those lines. The this docu series, the, the parts I've seen of it so far, actually, I think one of the things they've done well is give a voice to people that otherwise don't normally have a voice. For example, probably the big celebrity on this docu series is J.P. Sears. J.P. Sears, for those who don't follow him, he's, he's an online personality slash professional comedian. Yeah, Yeah, he travels and does comedy shows and he's got a big online following. Awaken with JP. Yeah. I mean, seems funny to me. I've never met the guy, but he seems hilarious. And uh, he's traditionally was very, you know, liberal leaning. Um, I think still probably has some views that some would consider liberal, Uh, but, but he's, definitely flip-flopped on on the gun thing. He's made that very clear. He's very pro-gun now, whereas previously he was not, right? And so giving a voice to people like that, giving, giving that person an opportunity to tell their story matters. So this docuseries is a good thing um, for that reason, because it gives voice to, to, to people that might otherwise not have it, right? To a larger audience that might otherwise normally hear them in their in their echo chamber. So I think that's that's a that's an important thing. Um, I think there's other things, and, and I, I I honestly believe that hearts are one one at a time. I think we change people's minds and hearts on an individual one on one basis, not by tweeting some ridiculous extremist thing or by holding rallies. I I, I legitimately I'm not not necessarily saying oh that's bad either because we don't want to be drowned out. Like to some degree, we have to match um, the other voice in, in some ways. Like we have to be willing to go to battle. But I truly believe that all hearts are one on a one-on-one basis, right? It's it's when we have a personal conversation with somebody and we talk to them and we explain our viewpoints, we hear their view. Like we really, we listen to them and we, we really listen to understand and we hear what they have to say and we have a conversation that's that's where change happens, and that's not sexy. That's not glamorous. That's not something that NRA or gun owners of America can go run with terribly well. But I, I truly believe it's a one it's a one on one thing. I think that we 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 change people's hearts and minds one at a time, and I think that we're doing that pretty well right now. I think if we look at the last decade, based on the survey data, the polling, the election results. Uh, based on any number of things, I think we're doing a pretty good job based on the number of new gun owners. Um, I think we have seen a lot of change. I think we've seen more people shift toward being pro-gun than anti. Uh, So I think there are good things happening. Um, I think that this is going to be a really interesting upcoming election next year because the 2020 election had nothing to do with guns. And it's been a long time since we saw a presidential election during which guns were a non-issue. And the 2020 election was the closest thing in my living adult memory to guns being a non-issue, a non-talking point during a presidential election. Well, that ain't going to be the case in 2024. Uh, Guns are going to be a talking point. 
So anyway, I, I guess those are two thoughts for me is that, that we need to figure out how to give a voice to the people who have a good thing to say. This docu-series does a good job of that. And, and second, we win hearts one at a time, and each of us has got to go out and win a heart. Yeah. It, and that's easier said than done, frankly. Um, one, it's hard to sometimes find yourself in the in the right setting, in the right environment, you know, where you can actually have a productive heart-to-heart conversation. But the other place where it's difficult is that not all of us have the communication skills to have those discussions without um, falling for traps that exist in any like interpersonal communication type, you know, discussion, if you will, where if you have two people on opposite sides of an issue, it's so easy to get baited into falling into a trap of, you know, getting emotional about something or, uh, you know, or falling for fallacies, you know, and then just kind of going down these rabbit holes that are non-productive because it's all based around an argumentative fallacy instead of like actually talking about the issue. And so, um, so it's, it's, it's just a challenge. I mean, like this, you're, you're right that that's what we need to do. Like all of us in some fashion is to have, productive discussions with people of varying ideologies and beliefs and whatnot. Um, but we got to do a good job of having those discussions or, or it won't accomplish what we want it to accomplish. Cause like, and it's not about us winning a debate and that's one of the biggest challenges uh, that I see when people, when two, two or more people engage in a, in a discussion, or a debate is it becomes a, well, I want to win um, because I don't want to be proven wrong or I don't want to be the one that's viewed as being wrong. And that's not a good way of having a productive discussion. You know, when you go into something with the idea, like, and that's hard to do because I want to win on the second amendment issue. I do. Like Um, I'm very passionate about what the second amendment means to me. So I don't, you know, I, I, I want that to be the winning issue. But if I'm talking, I, I have in mind right now a friend. If I was to call him up right now, I I could it would be a very difficult conversation to have because I know exactly where he's at on the issue of guns. And it would not go very well because partly because this the, the timing and the in the environment for it would not be right. Um, but partly because I know how far to the left of this issue he is, and it's really hard to come into that and not want to, to not, you know, cause, cause he's going to want to win and, and I don't want to lose cause I, I don't, I'm very passionate about, like this. You see what, like, this is so, so, so hard, but I'll just share one more. I know you want to jump in Jacob. One of the conversations I feel like made an impact in somebody's life. Uh, back when I was involved in our school district's uh, safety and security kind of revamping and I got in on this committee. Um, and we, you know, we, we spent months working on on this, working on proposals to submit to our school board for ways to improve safety and security in our, in our district schools. 
many of which were accepted and many of which were implemented. Like my, my kids' schools would not have been able to be entered like the school in Nashville was because those doors and windows in my kids' schools are a lot more difficult to penetrate than that one was. And that's directly you know, related to the work we did several years ago. And I'm, I'm proud of that. And I'd like to see more schools do that. Um, find some of those, those types of solutions because they are valuable solutions. But I remember during that, the course of all of that, and I remember having a conversation with somebody that was tied in at the school district uh, on their kind of security side of the house there. And we were just having this little, this, it was just a, it just, we just happened to be walking down a hallway together. And I don't remember how it came up, but I mentioned, I said, are you aware that in Utah, any adult that has a permit can carry on to public K through 12 or university campuses? And he was like, and this is a security professional that works for a school district. He's like, no, I had no idea. Like he was like shocked. Like what? Like that's allowed. And I was like, yeah. When's the last time they had a mass shooting in a school over there? And that was, and, and just the timing of it was, was right. And like where we were at in our, in our conversation. And I just threw that at him and I could tell that he was chewing on that. And I don't know where he ended up with that in the end, but like you have to look for those opportunities. And I didn't try to force, you know, my ideology upon him, but I just, I just dropped it because the timing was right. And I could tell it got those gears in his head spinning. And that's, that's, that's a good, that that's progress right there is getting people to think first and foremost, because most people just get emotional and they don't think. Anyway. I really should shut up and let Matthew talk. Matthew's the, the nice person here. He's the polite one of the three. He doesn't interrupt other, others like me. I'm like jumping right in. I'm super glad you said that about winning the debate because it's not – it shouldn't be about winning the debate. It should be about being human, being honest and vulnerable. I mean I don't know anyone listening to this. When's the last time you scrolled the, uh, the Twitter feed for our U.S. president? And I'm not talking about Biden. I mean any of them. <laughs> yeah. Biden, Trump, Obama, like you go back as far as Twitter has been around. Like every single thing that comes out of there, I'm not just talking about Twitter, every press release, every conference, every soundbite for anybody, anywhere, every debate, every lecture, every town hall meeting, every everything, everything that comes out of their mouths is propaganda. All of it. I, I mean, I, I, I saw, I've seen things come out of Trump and Biden's mouths that I thought you might as well take credit for the sun rising every morning. Like, look what my administration's done. I'm like, what did that have to do with you? Nothing. Like it's all about propaganda. And I think that Americans have better BS radars on them than they've ever had. I think all of us are tired of the constant me, 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 my, 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 I, 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 thing like this 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 the machine that is refusing to be vulnerable refusing to take accountability like i sometimes feel like the political machine of america is is about like my 10 year old kids were when they were 10 my kids aren't 10 anymore but but basically like my 10 year old kids and politicians of america have got a lot in common they have no concept for personal accountability the idea that 
like you can't just blame everybody else when things go wrong. Like you, even when other people have some degree of fault, you have to accept that you also could have done things differently and better. It's about looking at yourself and saying, what can I improve? What can I change? Right. And not just casting the blame. It's about admitting when you fail and being vulnerable and saying, I'm not perfect. So when we, when we get into discourse with people, whether it's online or in person, whether it's at the macro or the micro level, I think the biggest thing we have to do is be true. We have to be human. We have to be honest. We have to be transparent. We have to be willing to say, hey, you got a point there. Um, that's valid. Uh, here, here's why it concerns me. And we have to be willing to sometimes say, like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know the answer to that. Um, the, you know, what I think about is, is this, this, and this. Like, just, just straight up honest humanness is the key. For one, it's disarming because people aren't used to it. Uh, and two, it, it actually brings us to a point where we can talk. I am disgusted by some of the tweets. I'm a Twitter guy, in case you didn't notice. I am disgusted by some of the things I've seen being put out online by people in our community since the Nashville shooting. Things that just absolutely I find horrifically disrespectful and and horrible, right? I mean, I see more of that crap from from anti-gunners, obviously, in this debate. But, you know, yes, this had something to do with gender, identity, whatever thing. I I don't – that's not my field of expertise. I don't know a lot about it. I just know that, that, you know, as a good human, I should be respectful of all people and their beliefs because that's how I expect them to treat me. Right, but the things I'm saying about religion, the things I'm saying about gender gender identity related to this, uh, which some are valid comments, some are like worth part of the discussion, but most of what I'm seeing is horrifically inappropriate and disrespectful. So it comes from both sides. This this is about us being human, honest, and vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I don't know how I, I might disagree with you on the I'm too polite thing. I'm the nice guy. I don't know about that, but. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not like super, uh, social media. Like I, I don't get on social media a lot, but I do, I have curtailed my back and forth on social media. I don't find them very productive and that's just me. Like people might have productive social media con conversations and be able to, to, to win hearts and minds that way. Um, I haven't had that experience really. I find social media is really a forum for people just to be say extreme things or just to, just to be a jerk to people. Um, so that's not typically how I, I, uh, spend my time. Um, I will talk to anybody who wants to talk and have a reasonable conversation and, and respectful and we don't have to agree and we can, you know, walk away disagreeing. But um, I agree. I, I think we definitely, um, you, you know, you, you there's, if you can't, <laughs> I think that we, we need to be adults. It's if, if you would give that advice to your kid, like if you, if you don't have anything to say, nice to say, don't say anything. Like if you say that to a kid, like, why can't you follow your own advice? That's just, I mean, I I don't want to be a hypocrite. And so, um, but I think we do need to um, stand up and speak truth, but be, be compassionate um, and and be unashamed of what we believe. If you believe it, like don't, I, I, for far too long, I hear like, Oh, well we can't say this and we can't say that. Well, why, why, why can't you like, are are you afraid that somebody's going to, 
troll you on Twitter. Okay, sorry. Like they might do that anyways. Like nobody, whatever you can say, however you, however long you can say it, say it. Like as long as you're doing it kindly and you're speaking truth and being honest and and like just just be honest and and and, and say it. And I think um, I I think for far too long we've kind of sat back and just kind of thrown our heads up, hands up and been like, oh, well, everything's, you know, disintegrating before our eyes. We can't do anything. Everything's against us. And it's like, well, you can still vote. You can still petition the government. You can go to your your school meetings, talk to them like you did, right? Like all these things we can do. And it just, in whatever sphere of influence you have on whoever it is, just be a good person and and, and people will be drawn to that. Not everybody, but you'll start winning people over and, and maybe they'll see you as not some gun nut. I mean, I don't know how many people think like I'm a gun nut every, every and like, so I don't even inter, like, I don't even tell people what I do most of the time because they'll, you know, oh, you're a gun nut. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think they mean it mean, but like, I'm not a gun nut, you know, like I, I'm, I'm a dad, man. Like I'm a husband. I, I'm a friend. Like I'm not a gun nut. Like, but that's, if you own guns, if you do anything gun related, you're a gun nut. And I, I, I just think that, um, you know, we have to kind of counteract or counter that ideology or um, person, I don't know, ideology, but like perception of gun owners. Cause it's, it's, and this, this d- documentary does a really good job because it, it does cover a wide spectrum of um, genders and race and, um, and age and, and all kinds of, it, it, it's a good, in different topics, it talks about women and kids and mental health and law enforcement and, and freedom in general. And like, I think it, I think these are the types of things we need more of to, to, um, you know, to open the door to conversations. Hey, did you hear this? Did you watch that a documentary? Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. You know? Yeah. Real quick. Uh, we are kind of coming up on the hour here, uh, before too long, just to, again, kind of what, what has sparked this discussion here today is that, uh, it's about to be released this new docu-series nine part or nine episode docu-series that Jacob was interviewed as a part of. And we don't know, well, maybe you don't know which episode you're in yet. Do you? No, I don't know what episode I'm in. Um, but uh, there's nine episodes and just kind of preview for y'all. Like here's some of the topics that are covered in some of these episodes, episode one, women and self-defense. And then episodes two and three are talking about kids and safety. Episodes four and five are talking about mental health. Um, Episode six, race and guns. Episode seven, law enforcement. And then the final two episodes are, in general, just talking freedoms in the Constitution. So it gives you just kind of an idea of where some of these episodes go and some of the concepts that they explore. Uh, And there's, I don't know, there's got to be like 30 people that have been interviewed for this thing. Just looking at some of the like little preview snippets and and whatnot that I've uh, seen mentioned and t- or you know even on their website they kind of you know list some of the names, uh, but we're, we're proud of uh, of you Jacob for being able to be a part of that and represent. Um, I think from what I've seen so far, uh, concealedcarry dot com and the Concealed Carry podcast well and representing our community well. But uh, these these things are are important. Uh, we know that you're, you're here listening. You, you probably already get that as well. Uh, we hope that you'll consider going and, and checking out this, this docu series. 
again, so you can just go to concealedcarry.com forward slash FF for firearms and freedoms, concealedcarry.com forward slash FF. Um, check it out. Free to watch if you sign up and, and catch all the episodes as they're released. And then share it with your fam- family and friends and those that you know you think it might be beneficial to, which is frankly everybody. Uh, but uh, you know, we, we this is a good opportunity to create those opportunities or to look for those opportunities to have productive discussions with those in our circles so that we hopefully can change hearts and minds one person at a time. Um, it's not always easy to do, but it's super important. It's also super important we're involved in the political and governmental processes as well, um, and not overlooking that. And frankly, talk is cheap. A lot of people, you know, say all kinds of things online, on Twitter, on YouTube, comments, whatever. But how many are actually out there doing the work and getting involved and actually working to to change hearts and minds? Uh, that 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 stuff's done on the ground. And it's done, you know, person to person, face to face, more often than not. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. I think I would just summarize by saying: be a good example of our community. Be someone who's reasonable, who's honest, who's vulnerable, who wants to help others, who's willing to listen, who's willing to be open to new ideas, who's not, you know, closed off and. You know, just echoes the rhetoric, but actually understands the arguments on both sides of the debate so you can be intelligent. And uh, I would encourage you to go watch this docuseries and cross your fingers. I didn't say anything stupid. I haven't seen my own interview, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little anxious. But, uh, you know, if you're if you're a praying person, go say a prayer that Jacob didn't embarrass himself. And uh, I appreciate your support. Yeah, I, I'll just tell you, Jacob. Just you never want to go on like whatever you say is always going to be taken a, a weird way. So <laughs> a good, yeah, I'll be praying for you. <laughs> well, um, I guess it kind of sounds like we're wrapping it up. So we might as well. I, I appreciate the discussion today, gentlemen, uh, and for your thoughts and opinions on things here. Uh, I do want to shout out to our sponsors of today's episode again, CCW Safe. You can find it at ccwsafe.com and the Guardian Conference, which you can find at guardianconference.com. Uh, we'll probably need to mention it, mention them again in a future episode because I failed to mention it at the beginning of this one. But I was supposed to mention uh, Thrum. Thrum Targets is is one of our sponsors of the Guardian Conference. And uh, we're very appreciative of their sponsorship of the conference. They were super supportive last year and look forward to having them on board again. Um, and of course, CCW State is presenting sponsor of the event, and we hope to see many of you there. And that'll be a great opportunity to connect with like-minded folks and share your love for the Second Amendment through a weekend of quality training in Oklahoma City. So, hope to see you there. So, with that, we'll bid you all adieu. Until next time, Jacob, Matthew, see you later. Thank you, sir. A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Mm -hmm.